Welcome to our service this morning. We're glad that you are here, and we have come to worship the Lord this morning. And I know that sometimes we can come from a a busy morning and lots of things going on. And nonetheless, it's good to be able to rejoice and to praise Him. And so we're happy that you're here in person and also joining with us online today. We're going to begin our service with number 44, ye servants of God. Your masters, your master proclaim and publish abroad his wonderful name, the name all victorious of Jesus extol. His kingdom is glorious. He rules over all. Let's stand as we worship the Lord. Before we sit down today, a few more have gathered in, and maybe even a few more online have been able to tune in. Let's sing this opening verse of a great hymn of praise and worship to the Lord. Let's lift our voices as we sing the opening verse again. praise to the Lord today, and it's great to be able to enter in with our hearts a joy to come into the house of the Lord and for the congregation to be able to enter in and be united in our praise and thanksgiving unto Him. Well, we come today 
to lift up our hearts in worship to Him, and let's settle our hearts now before Him as we come and pray. Loving Father, we bow in the Savior's precious name this morning, and we pray, Lord, with thanksgiving in our hearts for the return of the Sabbath day, return of the day where we are able to come into the house of thanksgiving and of praise and worship. We ask, dear Father, to settle our minds and our hearts. We pray that each one of us will be very conscious of the Holy Spirit here, of the Spirit of God taking the Scripture and writing it upon our minds, making application of its truth to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to come aside now from all the things that are so busy in our minds and lives. And let us be settled and still before You now. And dear Father, I pray that as we want to lift up the name of our Lord and Savior, we pray that He will be reflected in our lives, that by our very conduct, by the words that we speak, by the unconscious moments where people observe how we live and how we interact and what we do, Lord, I pray that we will not in any way mar the testimony or mar our advertisement as being ambassadors of the Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that this day our hearts will be filled with joy and thanksgiving. And even, Lord, in the midst of times of trial and distress, even at times when we don't understand what is going on in our life, yet still let us be able to praise and to give thanks And even to say, as Job did, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Lord, give us such faith, I pray, and teach us what that means. Lord, we live in a a world that is very, very broken, very distressed. When things seem upside down, Lord, I pray that we will be good witnesses of the gospel of Christ who is able to make things right side up. Help us, we pray, to be able to give that message of hope to a hopeless world. Lord, make use of us, we pray, in our community, around this church, around the homes and neighborhoods where every one of us live. And let people observe and see and give us open doors of testifying of the great grace of our God and of the hope there is not just for time but for all eternity. Lord, hear our prayer today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. Father, we cannot do it on our own account and behalf. And so, Lord, come, we pray today, and anoint us, give us that reviving of the Spirit of God, that we will be equipped as servants to be able to go out and take the message of life 
and of peace and hope. We pray, Lord, in this world today when there are conflicts, it seems, in every continent, in every country, every nation, every place, and there are certain hot spots around the world, Lord, where things are intensified. We pray, O God, for the situation in the Middle East at this time. We pray for the believers that are in the middle of conflict, that You would give them much grace and protection. And Lord, help them to be a witness in a very dark time. We ask, O God, to preserve that which is right and true, and that You would overturn every evil and wicked and monstrous act that's conducted by men. Now, Lord, we pray that You would watch over believers that are under persecution in every place. Some we know about and many we don't. But Lord, we're thankful we trust in a sovereign God who knows every detail of every one of Your children, and no one is left unnoticed. And so, Father, we're thankful about that today, and we pray that Your blessing would continue on us. Pour out Your Spirit upon our congregation. Bless every family. We pray for household salvation. We ask, Lord, to bring back those that perhaps have wandered away, backslidden, or just cold in heart. Bring them, Lord, back to Yourself. We ask for those who are sick and set aside today. We remember Dr. McClellan in hospital, and we pray, Lord, for Your hand to be upon him, to bless him, and to reverse the effects of the stroke that he has suffered. And we pray, O God, that You would continue to watch over him, bless his family. Remember others who are set aside because of sickness, some which seems to be almost unending, long-term sickness, long-term disabilities. Lord, give much grace in the lives and hearts of each one of those. And when it's outside of physical areas, Father, and it becomes a spiritual battle, Lord, those wounds are unseen. Those emotional and mental scars are not seen on the outside sometimes, but they're very real. And so come and pour out Your great grace and give healing. The Lord be with us now today. Let the Word of God be rich in our hearts and be refreshing to us. And let us be strengthened with might in the inner man. We'll become better witnesses for our Master. Hear our prayer today. Lord, continue to be with us, we ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Psalm 99. The Psalms are at the back of our book, and also the words will be behind me as well. Let's stand as we sing Psalm 99.
Amen. Well, the tune may not have just been so familiar to us, but I trust you watch the words carefully. And Psalm 99 is a special psalm from the emphasis and the focus that it has on the holy name of the Lord. And in your meditation, in your prayer, as you seek Him and call upon His name, well, there's no better thought that we can have but to dwell on the holiness of God in our own lives and devotions. Please turn in your Bibles now to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 6, reading the first ten verses. <clears throat> we then, as workers together with Him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored or delivered thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. Well, you could not find a better example than the Apostle Paul, a man who knew what it was to be in jail more than once. And while he was there, coming near the end of his days, he said, I have all, and I abound, and yet... He had nothing. And here he shares with the Corinthian people the very ethos of a contented life as a believer. We do well to think much upon this, especially in our day and our time when if we have loss of a few simple things, we become very concerned. We become somewhat distressed and complaining maybe. Well, let's think then about how the Apostle, he communicated the positives and the negatives. He communicated to these Corinthians who may have needed their focus to be readjusted a bit, as we all do at times. 
And he said, having nothing and yet possessing all things. We know what Paul meant by that. We know that he meant, I don't have the stuff of this world, but I have something that's far beyond that. He said, I have all things. What did he mean by that? He, I have the gospel. I have Christ. I have God. I have heaven. I have eternity. I have everything that is of great import and meaning. And friend, if you know Christ today, you can say exactly the same thing. You know Him. You have Him. You possess the Lord. He belongs to you and you to Him. Is there anything else that you could desire? I mean, if Christ said, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We can say, we have given our soul to Christ. And He is the one who is in us and possesses us and we Him. And we have eternal life now. There is nothing that can be added to our life that will make us more justified, that will make us more acceptable to God. And in that process that He is working by His Spirit in us, He is changing our lives day by day to make us conform to Christ. Well, let's be sure then that we are not going backward, that we are not falling backward. Keep our eyes focused forward upon the Savior, keeping our goal and our intention set. And let's realize that in a very distressing world, our hope does not abide here, but it abides in eternity. May the Lord bless His Word as we have thought today. Well, we want to welcome you all to our service this morning. We're glad that you're here in person. And if you are visiting with us for the first time, you've come back to be with us again. We say that also to the folks visiting online. You are very, very welcome. Very happy to have our brother Mark Campbell with us today from Carrick Fergus. Is that correct? That's good. Okay. And also his brother Ian. And these, uh, Mark is visiting from overseas, and he's here for a bit of a holiday, visit family. And so we are very happy that you're here. Please take our warm greetings back to the congregation in Carrick-Fergus when you go back. And also, Ian, we're very happy that you're able to be with us today, and you're welcome here anytime. We'd love to see you back again, too. We have been praying much for Dr. McClelland, and I'm happy that he and Mrs. McClelland, I believe, are able to join the service from the hospital room today. And Dr. McClelland suffered... Uh, uh, what is called a mini-stroke this past week, although it is, was more on the severe side. And we were praying for him on Wednesday night, and I informed the congregation then. And all of our presbytery, our ministers and elders have also been praying for our dear brother. And so let me ask you to continue to do that. He is um, going to be in the hospital for a few more days has suffered some of the effects of this, and we're praying that those effects will be reversed as much as possible, that the Lord's mercy and hand will be upon him. So please continue to remember him in prayer. And also let me remind you about Calvin Golliher, uh, the son of Reverend Ian Golliher. And Calvin is a minister who lives in California, and he was diagnosed with, well, it's a, a mass on his lung and they have yet to determine all the extent of that. 
but very much we appreciate your prayers. A 33-year-old man, young man, he has a family of six children, and so that's a great distress for the family as well. So please remember Calvin in your prayers. And also, we'd ask you to remember Isabel. We've been praying for Isabel over the last number of months. She's recovering from hip surgery. Isabel and Ted. Do remember Ted, please, also in your prayers. He has his own needs, and just asking for your blessing to be upon them in their family. And the other sick ones and people we've been praying for, well, we hold them up, each one, to the Lord. Remember today our pre-service prayer time at 5.50, and we meet in the room that's the fellowship room just outside down the hall here. We encourage you to be a part of our pre-service prayer time and then our evening service at 6.30, and I trust to bring you the Word of God again. And I want to, as we're drawing near to Reformation Lord's Day, which we recognize as next Lord's Day, and we have a special speaker for that day, but I want to speak to you tonight on that familiar verse, the just shall live by faith. And let us dig a little bit deeper and understand exactly what the Holy Spirit means by that particular phrase. After the service tonight, we will have a short time of just singing some of your favorite hymns in worship to the Lord. Now, starting Monday, tomorrow night, Monday to Friday, well, runs right up to Saturday, we know our special meetings going on in Port Hope, the 30th anniversary meetings, and Reverend Gordon Ferguson is the guest preacher for the week. And so, if you would like to go, the meetings, I've been saying all along they're at 7 o'clock at night. Well, actually, they're 7.30. I found that out and corrected this morning, so that's good. 7.30 each night. And uh, some of our congregation have come down with some sickness, and so that's why some are away today. And that might affect them going to Port Hope as well. We're just not altogether certain about that yet. But please, just keep in touch and in prayer. And if you would like to go see one of the elders, and they might help to arrange a ride for that. Now, in light of that, Wednesday evening, which is our regular weekly prayer meeting, that meeting will not be taking place in our church, but it will be transferred to Port Hope. And so if you want to go there in person, you are welcome to do that to the meeting on Wednesday night, so you're released from being here for our prayer meeting. But if you can't get there and you still want to be a part of the meeting, you'll need to go to Facebook Live and the Port Hope page because they are broadcasting their services that way. So remember Facebook Live. You don't have to have a Facebook account. You just have to go to Port Hope Facebook and then if they ask you to sign in, put cancel and it'll come up apparently to that page. So you can do that if you want to view it from your home. Remember me also in prayer this week as I have to go to the American Council of Christian Churches meeting in Kittery, Maine, that's right on the coast of Maine. You can't go any farther or you're in the ocean. And I'm uh, going to Faith Baptist Church and the gathering of all the American Council men. I have to speak twice there this week, so greatly appreciate your prayers. I'll be driving there on Tuesday in the will of the Lord. And then... Remember, please, the dinner in Port Hope this coming Saturday night. And uh, many of you have signed up. We have 65 people from our congregation here who have signed up to go. And 
Uh, Brother Cranston is overwhelmed by that. He is so thankful for the show of support of people who are intending on going. It's $30 for the dinner. You pay when you get there uh, to, and please bring cash. It would be the easiest way uh, for them to receive that. They don't have any other way of receiving funds, cash or check, I suppose. So remember that on uh, Saturday evening. The time is at 7. No, though, pardon me, the dinner, don't forget, that is at 6 p.m. on Saturday, right? The weekly meeting, 7.30. The dinner, Saturday night, is at 6 o'clock. We will be taking the bus from here. So if you want to ride on the bus, 4.30 in the afternoon, be here at the church, and then we'll be sure, you'll be sure to get a place on the bus for a ride. Next Lord's Day is Reformation Lord's Day. We recognize this every year at this time, and we're very happy that Reverend Gordon Ferguson will be with us for those services next Lord's Day. Greatly appreciate your prayers. The Sunday School will also be participating in the morning, the young people in the evening service, so we're looking forward to that. We've let you know about our ministerial students that are studying in Geneva Reform Seminary. We want to get behind these, and I'm thankful for each one of you who remember them in prayer. We want to get practically behind them as well, and so we've opened up accounts in our church. If you would like to donate to help the students who are in the ministry now, you can just mark on it, ministry students, in your envelope. Some extra offering would be much appreciated. And then also don't forget about Fredericton, as we are supporting uh, Brother Reverend Frank DiDerno, who is now there. He just started at the beginning of October this month uh, to take up that work there. So it's really a rebuilding work in Fredericton. Remember him in your prayers and also any practical support. Uh, we've also been encouraging uh, people about uh, supporting the Pregnancy Care Center, the Pregnancy Care Center, and they're going to be having a fundraising breakfast on November the 4th. And so if you would like to, you can go online and sign up. The tickets are there available online at the Pregnancy Care Center, and that you'd be welcome to go there and show your support. Don't forget the Ladies' Bible Study will be recommencing on October the 31st, and uh, that will be on Zoom only, and the meeting is at 7 p.m., one more prayer I ask you about, and that's really in the anticipation of our mission trip to South Korea. It will be taking place in mid-November. I'll be traveling there along with Reverend Kim and his wife Hannah, and so greatly appreciate your prayers as we make the preparations for that trip. We have the newest edition of the current magazine that is on the table at the back, the tables, I should say. And so please pick up that. You'll find some interesting articles and some of the events that have transpired over the summer from the summer youth camp and also the outreach that took place in Maine and also our young adult conference that was here in August. A lot of these things, pictures on the back and so on. So you take a magazine there and you're welcome to that. It seems the announcements today, the ministry, are almost never-ending. I don't go to sleep on me. These are very important as we think about the ministry of the work of God and all that we're involved in. We had a meeting last Lord's Day evening to see about interest for the International Congress that is being planned next year in Northern Ireland. 
from July the 1st to the 5th. And if you showed some interest from the meeting we had last Sunday evening after the service, I put a sheet on the little table, the little, vet, the little stand at the back. And if you have interest, put your name down here. Even if you're not using the hotel that is, we've been talking about, put your name down anyway. We want to know how many people are going. And then you can mark if you want rooms and how many rooms you'll need. I put the price on the top there. So please do that today. We want to let Brother Stephen Pollock know by the end of October, we have to get kind of a root number of folks interested so we can let the people over in Northern Ireland know uh, about that, whether it's all going to be feasible or not. So mark your name on that list today. Thank you for your attention to these important things. And as I often say to you, these things are important to pray about, each one. They're not just announcements we're giving out. This is the ministry of the work of God. And it's important. And we want to be praying for all of these things. Let's sing again in worship to the Lord. Number 361. 361. We'll stand to sing, I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of His love in the book He has given.
Now turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Second Corinthians chapter four. The first seven verses. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, we are thankful for the Word of God which we have in our own language that we are able to understand. And we pray, Father, in those areas where our understanding is limited, well, open our minds and hearts. And give us, we pray, clarity. Give me, I pray, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that unction from heaven, in order to speak the Word of God clearly. Let no one misunderstand. Father, we pray today that the Word of the Lord would have impact in our lives as Your children. And Father, we pray for any who are unsaved today, that they would come to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to think with me today on the phrase that we find in the opening verse of this chapter. The apostle says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. We have this ministry. 
what is Paul talking about when he says that? Well, he is talking about the spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great responsibility that is upon him. We can say that the greatest expression of God's love to a sinful world is it not that He gave His only begotten Son to a sinful world that was rejecting His offer of grace and love and mercy? And yet, if the Lord gave to us His only begotten Son, and that we declare is the greatest expression of the love of God, would we also not say that the ultimate responsibility that we have as God's people would be to publish that greatest of messages? Well, yes, we would say it is. And every believer is called into full-time service. It's not the job of the preacher or the missionary, the gospel worker, but it's the solemn responsibility of everyone who has been saved, every person who is brought out of darkness and sin into the light and liberty and joy and peace of everlasting life. We have been taken from darkness and been brought into light. We have been taken from the kingdom of Satan and into the kingdom of God's dear Son. In our text, we have these words, the mystery of God. The mystery of God because the things that God has given to this world and given through the Word, it's unknown or hidden in some respect to those who are unsaved. Well, we know in the Scripture that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. This message of Christ crucified, Paul says, is a scandal. It is an offense to the Jew. And it is foolishness to the Greek, to the Gentile. The idea of repentance for sin is rejected because of the pride of the human heart. Faith is rejected uh, by the intellectual as only for those who have you know, a weak mind. Someone who is not really able to cope with the things in life and therefore they need some kind of crutch. They need something to lean on in order to help them. So that's how they would qualify or set aside the issues of eternal life and death and a God of infinite love. They are set aside as things that cannot be known or proved. But it is this very mystery of the Gospel that we are called to preach to lost sinners. We might by all means by all forms of outreach, endeavor to save some. The gospel is called a mystery, but it's not a mystery in the sense that it is incomprehensible. I mean, to be understood that there is a God or an infinite being that has planned a way for humans 
to eventually get to be with Him, and that God determined that He would send His Son to die and pay for the penalty of sin, and you receive that and you get to heaven. I mean, those concepts are not impossible to comprehend. And so what does it mean when it talks about the mystery of the gospel? It's talking about the fact that these ideas are seen as unreasonable. They are seen as something that cannot really be. I mean, all I have to do is believe in something and I receive everlasting life. The thing seems to be madness. It seems to be some kind of a fairy tale. And in that sense, the gospel to the unbeliever is some mystery. Ah, friends, today, as you have been brought into an understanding of this gospel truth, yes, we can say before the Lord, we are thankful with a thanks that goes beyond our ability to express or define. And once we have been saved, God through His Word has given to His people a mandate, a responsibility. And this He has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have been emphasizing this and thinking of it over the past number of weeks and even into the months as we concluded the life of Christ in our study. And as the Lord appeared to His disciples and He told them, you are to be witnesses unto Me. Here's the command of God. He spoke it before He was crucified. He spoke that message after He had risen from the dead. And He communicated to His disciples on a number of occasions. I want you to go and be My representative. I want you to be My messenger, My witness. And you are to take the Word in your locality of Jerusalem, and you're to go into Samaria, not so friendly a locality, and you're to go beyond that to all the world. When the two men stood by as the Lord ascended into the clouds and was taken up to heaven, and the disciples were all around them, they said, why are you men standing here gazing up into heaven. This same Jesus that has commanded you to go and preach and has gone up to heaven for a period of time, now is your responsibility to take this message and go and communicate this Word. And that is what the church has been given the mandate. And we have in our hearts the motivation for this. And the motivation is because, well, we're called from the Word of the Lord obediently to do this because of the gratitude that we have in our hearts. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And because of love, a love for our God, a love for what He has done for us, and the love that constrains us. It grips our soul, grips our hearts, and therefore we say, yes, Lord, I, I want to be that communicating avenue. I want to be that conduit to be able to communicate 
the love of Christ. And believers, today we are His stewards. We are His ambassadors. We are called to be His servants. Having been given this command, I want to point out to you in the first place that as we are to spread this Word, we are to guard these mysteries. To guard them. And how will we do that? We're to guard the mysteries of the Gospel in a very practical way. To Israel was given the privilege and responsibility, those two things go together, of keeping the oracles of God, the Word of God. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there in circumcision? He said much in every way, chiefly, mainly. I mean, the point is this, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. And so in no way were, was there a hindrance upon Old Testament people of God, but there was a great blessing because God bestowed upon them His Word. And they were to be the keepers of the Word of God. What a great responsibility. The mysteries of the Lord. And think about it this way, because in the Old Testament, as the revelation was given, all the prophecies of the coming Messiah were put into the trust and the care and the keeping of His Old Testament people. And they had the scrolls. They had the manuscripts. They had the very words that were given by the Spirit of God through holy men of God that spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And they wrote down. Inspiration, the revelation that God has given. Friends, this is a very precious truth. And into the hands of the Jew, Paul argued, was given the oracle, the Word. These mysteries, though they were more obscure in the Old Testament because they were not yet fulfilled, they were nonetheless present. They were there. And have become clearer in the New Testament, obviously, because whenever a promise is given and the fulfillment has taken place, well, now you have both aspects. And you can review and see and examine. Romans 16, verse 25 says, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, listen, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. The gospel door was not open to the entire world in the sense of its vastness, in the sense of its detail. There were some, we know in the Old Testament, that were Gentiles that were saved, but there were very few of them. Very few. But the Gospel now has come to the entire world. And that's where the commandment given to us from our Lord to go and to preach the Word to all creatures. These mysteries, they've been placed, Christian, in your hand. 
They've been placed in my trust. And we are to keep them. We're not to keep them selfishly, of course, but we're to keep them as someone like a farmer who would prepare for the planting of his fields and he gathers the seed and it's there and ready. Do you think he's careless leaving the seed out just under the winter storm? No, no, that seed is kept very carefully in the barn, protected because he's ready to sow it in the springtime. And so we are to be careful keeping the Word of God and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us a reason of the hope that is in us with meekness and fear. And so we are to be ready, prepared. That's in a practical way. But of course we are to prepare ourselves in a prayerful spirit and way. In our hearts and minds. When God commanded Joshua as he was going to go and lead the people into Canaan, God said to him, you will have success, Joshua, if you keep this foundation principle in your heart. And what was that? Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Every day. All through the day. The beginning, the middle, the end. You shall meditate therein day and night, for then thou shalt have good success. You will prosper. You will accomplish my purpose. You will carry forward my word into the world. And if you do this, you're going to be doing it on your knees, first of all. And friends, if we would take that page, take that verse, and apply it to our own hearts. We want to do this prayerfully. And as we seek God and keep His Word before us so that we will not sin against Him. How can we as a, as a dirty vessel hope to have the pure water of life of the Gospel flowing from us? Psalm 66.18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Well, if we are called as servants of the Lord, Isaiah 52.11 says, Ye that bear the vessels of the Lord are to be clean. We are to be clean, pure. And if we are going to not have our gospel witness compromised, or if we're not going to have it just discarded because of what? Something in our life that the world sees is not good? Let's be careful, brothers and sisters. Be careful in our own testimonies. In what we do, what we say, where we go, how we present ourselves. It's not something we want to do on the surface. Like just say, well, we want to present ourselves as being nice, good people and Christians, but we're going to come with a kind of a mask. No, it needs to be that which is the genuine article. We want to be the real thing. We don't want to be impractical or hypocritical. Sometimes I think we are guilty of a bit of practical atheism. Well, it's maybe we call ourselves one thing as Christians, but 
Sometimes our thought processes, sometimes the way we may operate in our life, it may be almost as if we don't even think God exists or He's real. Does the world ever see that in us? If they do, well, we're not being a good ambassador for the Lord, not a good witness. So we need to pray that God would keep those things from our lives that would be of any hindrance of any mark on us that the mirror of our life to reflect Christ would be blocked. The secret or the mystery of the Lord, we are told, is with them that fear Him. And therefore, if we're going to communicate that mystery, we want to be prayerful, want to keep the Word close in our hearts, we want to keep short accounts with God. And that means that when we stumble and fall, let's pray that the Lord would come to cleanse our minds and hearts. Don't we have to pray that often? I do. Lord, cleanse my mind. Let the Word of God be that scrubbing force in us to scrub away those things whereby we seem to get contaminated by being in the world. So yes, we want our dear brothers and sisters, to be practical and prayerful. And we want to approach this with purpose or on purpose. Let's let, not let our testimony be accidental. Don't just, well, if it happens to come about, okay, but if it doesn't, okay. No, no. Let's go about our daily life with intention, with purpose, with focus. Then say, Lord, I'm going out to the store today would you lead me to someone that I could just share a word with? That's going to do your shopping on purpose. Not because you've got to get a list of stuff for the kitchen. You have to get that as well. But the greater purpose of our life is that we will share our faith. And we want to do that on purpose and with intention. And I say to you that if each one of us honestly and earnestly before God, set out each day to say, Lord, I want You to lead me to some soul to witness to today. My, if we prayed that, what would happen? My, I think we would be shocked by what would happen because we would have the joy of speaking of our Lord and we would have the joy of pointing sinners to Christ, which is what we want to do. And we would find that as we invite folks to the church, one by one, the empty places would be filled. One by one, souls would profess faith. And is that not what it's all about? Yes, it is. So we want to guard these mysteries and guard them practically and prayerfully and on purpose and carry forth the message of light. We also want to defend the gospel against attacks, to defend the gospel. Jude, in his small letter, he said, Beloved, I give, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. And by the way, when he says that, he doesn't mean just some ordinary thing. He's talking about the salvation that he, has, that he has, but he is speaking about that not as some ordinary thing, but he wants to talk about the gospel in its simplicity. 
the gospel in its wonder, in its purity. When I am coming to talk to you, he said, about the common salvation that we have received to know Christ, he said, it was needful for me, rather, to speak to you and exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men, he wrote, that have crept in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, into the most evil and wicked thing, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. When we think and read over and meditate on what message Jude was getting across, he was careful to say, we have received much from the Lord. We joy in our great salvation. But he said there is need for us always to be on our guard. There is always a need for us to be watching. Watching for how the enemy will be maneuvering. Watching how ungodly men will be trying to come in and break into the work of God, the local church, by sowing their seeds of unrighteousness and their seeds of untruth. Ungodly men, he said, turning the grace of God into evil, lasciviousness. How could that be? Oh, it is, friend. That's how the devil works. The devil does not come into the local church with someone purporting something that is so bizarre and evil in that sense, but he comes with his ministers, his servants of righteousness, if you can believe that, but they're not righteous at all. They're unrighteous. But the masquerade, the, the, the pretense is there. Be careful that we are not confused by that. We're not taken in by it. The warnings are there. Peter says, as there were false prophets in Israel in the day, so there will be false teachers in your day, in our day, in Peter's day, in the church that was there. So we must be on our guard and be ready. The apostle also said to the Ephesians in Acts 20 and verse 28, he said that grievous wolves would come in among you to rend the flock. The word grievous means vicious wolves. Vicious wolves would come into the church of Christ and would try to tear the flock apart. You know, if we wake up every day and we acknowledge that we're in a warfare, in a battle, we'll not be so surprised when some temptation takes upon us or some evil comes across our pathway. It'll not shock us because we've come prepared that the principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world have a great master plan they're working to. And God has warned us we must be prepared for this. Beyond our physical eyesight, there is a world of warfare going on, of evil against good, of light against darkness. And friends, as we prepare ourselves and know as God's people, as we go to spread the gospel message, we are facing hell in all of the demonic activity 
Let's not be surprised about that. When people near violently oppose the gospel that you are giving, don't be surprised about that. Rather, we are told to be surprised when all men speak well of us. That's something that we should be more concerned about. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased with His own blood. For Paul said, I know that after my departing shall vicious wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, also of your own selves. Men shall arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, he says this, watch and remember. Watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day of this thing. Paul was just like Jude. He spoke of the the greatness of the supremacy of the gospel message. Of course he did. But he also took great care and concern to warn the people, to warn them of the evil that is around. So friends, as we have been made stewards of the mystery of the gospel, let's be sure that we are prepared to defend it. Some folks will sort of turn away from the idea of defending because it's confrontational and therefore it feels somewhat unproductive. Well, if you were to say that to the apostle or to Jude, what do you think their response would be? It's what the Holy Spirit directed us to say and write. And if it's the Lord's doing, then we had better take care of that and we better see to it. It's at the very point where The gospel is often preached. It is a point of confrontation. And then when some of those things are shut aside and put out, then we're able to clearly present the truth. The church of Christ in every age, it has had to identify the error in order to defend the truth. And if you don't identify the error and expose it, you cannot give with clarity the truthful message. Because if the error is all just kind of blurred in with the truth, then how will people know what the truth is? If you had a load of bills in your wallet and every other bill is a counterfeit one, but it looks very close to the original one, how are you going to have buying power with your currency? No, you have to separate the counterfeit from the real. And the great confessions that we have thinking about the benefit of the Reformation and what has grown out of that for us by the the Lord's great mercies. We have the confessions of faith that were part of the, the early church, the New Testament church of the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. And as we move into the Reformation time period, you have the 39 articles of the Anglican Church of which they have virtually rejected today. But that confession of faith was a valuable confession. 
And it was a biblical and a scriptural confession. And we have the Heidelberg Catechism and the Westminster Confession of Faith and these great compendiums of gospel truth have been brought to the church and they were born out of controversy. They were born out of men who saw the error and said, we must stand for the truth because if we don't, the truth will fall. Yes, friends, we must guard these mysteries. We must defend them against the attacks. And in the third place this morning, let us be fearless in speaking the truth. You've been crippled, as I have, by the fear of man. It brings a snare to us. It stops us from speaking and it makes us shy away from doing what we should do in the gospel. We're all guilty of it, some dimension or another. So what's the antidote? Well, it's to recognize the problem and then say, Lord, I need Your grace and power to overcome this. Here we're confronted by our own sense of inability. And people of God have been faced with this as the great man Moses was. When God called Moses, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses made not just one excuse or two, there was a whole list, almost a chapter of excuses that Moses came up with. He said, I am not an eloquent man. I, I, I have a speech impediment. I'm slow of tongue. God said to him, I've called you, Moses. I've sent you. And it's most fascinating. At the end of Moses' life, in Deuteronomy 32, I believe it is, we have a, a speech, a sermon of Moses. And he's saying, let all the earth hear my words. He's a changed man now. He's a man who's experienced the power and the presence and the blessing of God upon him. And as he has God's power, he is able to stand and declare, this is the word of the Lord. Hear and listen. And what about Jeremiah? God said to him, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee, and I've ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then Jeremiah said, Ah, oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak. I am a child. But the Lord said unto him, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go, and I shall send thee unto whatsoever I command thee thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his, forth his hand, Jeremiah wrote, and touched my tongue. Do you need that today? I tell you, I need that today. I pray that the Lord, by His power, would come to touch me in a way that will loose my tongue and let me not be afraid to communicate the message of light and love and hope. Is that not what you need? Then when was the last time you prayed, Lord, come and touch my tongue? Well, 
We know we're not praying for some physical touch in that way. We're talking about the Lord opening our ability from mind and heart to communicate. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. Let's be clear that God has never said our Christian life would be something of ease. And the confirmation of this is to look at the lives of believers all through Scripture and church history. But too many today think that Christianity as a voice soothing the fears of people is better than kind of a bugle summoning to the conflict. The Apostle Paul said, we are called to be soldiers and we're in a battle. We're in a fight. And the cross we are called to convey through the Word of the Lord. We're not to dilute it. We are not to adulterate it. We're not to substitute something else for it. We are to be faithful to our Lord Jesus as servants and as His stewards, ambassadors, faithful people, not failing to speak the Word of God without fear or favor. But friends, let's be quite careful. This does not mean we are to be rude. We're not to be abrasive intentionally. We are to learn what it means and pray into our hearts that I will speak the truth in love. And as we cultivate by God's Spirit that attitude of how we're to do this, how we are to stand firmly for the Word of God, not with arrogance, not with some sort of pomp, no, but with a clear, calm conviction that I know what is truth and I know what I believe, and I will stand for that which is right. So we are to guard the mysteries and defend them and be fearless in speaking. Let's realize also that there is a cost in our failure. We have been brought to this period of time not by accident. God is sovereign, and if we believe that, we believe that we were born at a certain place in a certain time in a generation because God intended that we would be here for a witness. And the more you and I grasp the greater picture of the sovereignty of God in our lives, we will see that we're not just aimless here in this life. We're not just putting in a nine to five to get from Monday to Friday to enjoy a few days on the weekend. That's the curse of a way to think of a Christian's life. It's not, oh, I'm so bored. I got nothing to do. Never let that word be in a Christian's tongue. We should never say those words or have that thought because God has given to us every moment of our life and it's precious. And if we have a purpose to do and to fulfill, He has called us. You might say, well, I don't really have too much talent to speak. I don't know how to do this. Whatever God has put within us as for our talents, whatever yours are, whatever mine are, we can't say I don't have any. 
And we better be careful we don't bury them under a bushel somewhere and say, well, I've got this one talent you gave me, Lord, but I'm just going to give this one talent back to you at the end. What did the Lord say? It didn't turn out too well for that character. We have to be very careful about that and say, Lord, whatever you've given me, help me to cultivate, to fertilize, to see this grow by exercise. Because the cost of failure in our own lives is great. And it may only be, friends, sadly, may only be fully seen when we come to give account at the end. And we don't want that to be the case where we are found wanting in that day. We want to say, Lord, lay, I want to lay up treasures in heaven. And I don't want to suffer the loss at the end where the judgment of God burns up the hay, wood, and the stubble. All things in this life that were not directly going to be for eternal value. Let's pray, Lord. I don't want to hide my talent. I don't want to get to the end and say, I have nothing to give back to You, Lord. Therefore, if we know if we know this in our hearts, let us pray for the strength of the Spirit, for prayer with a sense of a greater knowledge of our responsibility. And let us also say, Lord, I'm sorry for the times that I have failed. But finally, acknowledge this. Number five, the reward of obedience that the Lord has promised to us the response that we have to the Gospel is this. He that sows the seed shall reap. If we sow Galatians 6, if we sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. That's the law of the harvest. And the Lord uses that to encourage us to see that the kingdom of the Lord is great and we are called to see this advancing and developing in our time. As one man wrote this, he said, the spread of the gospel, the Christian, the highest development of the Christian character and the believer's greatness and usefulness depends so much on the knowledge and practice of the principles of Christian stewardship that scarcely anything can be more important than a study of them. Christians are stewards or trustees of the Gospel for the good of the world. And so he says, of all things that we study in the Scripture, and of course there are many and much benefit, but he said Christian stewardship is a very important study. It's a very important thing to have applied because of the rewards that God promises to go with them. So I conclude the message today. And I want to leave six simple things with you. And one at, one at a time, look at them, please. The first one is this. We know that the Gospel, it's the only answer to a fallen, corrupted world. There's no other answer that we have. We don't, we don't have social answers. We don't have economic answers. We don't have education answers, just better yourself, get a better job, have a good hefty RRSP, and all will be good at the end. What happens after that? And people have got their whole bank account full and they end up dying and going to a lost eternity. So therefore, 
we have to, we have to emphasize that the gospel is the only answer that we have. The second thought is this, that God has brought us to the light. And if the Lord has brought us to the light, and we have so much, therefore it's important, it's so vital for us to say, Lord, what I have been given, I want to share, I want to communicate. We also must understand that it's not so much an option for a Christian life. Well, I'd just rather not do that, if you don't mind. I'd rather not be a witness for the Lord. No, friend, you can't say that because this is a commandment that has been given by the Lord to spread the good news. And so that commandment, that exhortation is upon every single one of us. Now, how that's accomplished you will look for open doors. And you will look for the way in which God will allow you to do that. And sometimes, friend, it's not going to be standing in a pulpit and preaching. It might be. But it may well be just that little gospel tract, that little text, that little communication, that Word. Because that Word has power by the Lord. And so we acknowledge that though we are commanded to do this, it's not by our own strength. It's not by something that we can conjure up within us. It's not going to come by, by some earnest expression of power in us. No. The power is by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We acknowledge, Lord, I can't do this. This is not of me. I need Your Spirit's anointing. And if I have that, I'll be able to go forward. Isn't it also important for us to confess our neglect to Him? Yeah. And then pray that the Holy Spirit will enable us to lead sinners to Christ. Let me ask you a question today. That if you met someone who was an unbeliever, and they were genuinely interested in the message you told them, and they would say, I'd like to get saved. Would you know how to lead them to the Lord from the gospel? Would you know how? There, there are so many scriptures that it's very important for us to have, and it would be good to have them in our head when we get into those situations. So it's good, brothers and sisters, to be prepared and to pray that the Lord's Spirit upon us would enable us to do just that. And in so doing, He will make us profitable servants for Him. Now, friend, if you're here today and you're not a believer, you don't know Christ, I've been speaking to God's people today, but the gospel message is always to go out to you. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that said, Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That means today the gospel opportunity is open for you. Do you know Christ today? If you don't know Him, I pray that you would come to trust in Him with all your heart and all your soul. And if you have any questions, then I encourage you to wait behind at the end and I'd be happy to speak with you and just show you from His Word. If you're online today and you have a question about your soul, send us an email. 
Reach out. We'll contact you. We'll get back to you. And we want you to know that we are your servants for Christ's sake. And we'll do whatever we can in the spreading of the gospel to your heart. We want to close our service today. Number 573. Is your life a channel of blessing? Is the love of God flowing through you? Are you telling the lost of the Savior? Are you ready His service to do? Let's sing verses 1 and 4, 573. Standing to sing. Father, we ask today that Your holy and precious Word will be written on our hearts in a way that we'll not just forget about it. The Spirit will reinforce its truth to us as we go about our daily work tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday in the week. Lord, we pray You would open up doors for us to be useful, and You would loose our tongues we would know the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our lives, for this is what we need, and this is what we want, Lord. And I pray that You would give us the joy of pointing sinners to Christ. So part us now, Lord, in Your fear, with Your great blessing, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.